Yeah. All right. Good morning, church. You know, I feel kind of like Matt Rupert. This, I could honestly go home <laughs> after the, the amazing welcome that we heard from our dear sister, Ciara, and, uh, and, and Matt did a phenomenal job taking us to the cross and um, just seeing and hearing God's word, uh, it's refreshing. If you're visiting with us again, we want to welcome you to the Garden State Church. Uh, we are the, the Northeast uh, Counties. Uh, it, it's really exciting, guys, because, you know, we're coming into the summertime uh, in a few weeks. I know there's some graduations coming. And, uh, you know, it's that time of the year where uh, things are growing and, and maturing. Uh, it's also the NBA Finals. I know we got some sport fans out there. And um, so if you don't know, you know, I, I used to play college basketball. But growing up, I learned the game of basketball. And basketball is a, it's a beautiful sport. You know, you got offensive side, you got the defensive side. As an offensive player, you got to learn how to dribble. You got to learn how to pass. Uh, you got to learn how to shoot. Um, but there is something about offense that you, you, you needed this skill in order to get out of trouble or to, to make something happen. And it's called the pivot. The pivot. And the pivot is when you catch the ball, you establish a pivot foot. So if it's your, your right foot, then you can move this way or this way. If it's your left foot, you can move this way. Now, come on, man. That, that is, I've, I have retired. But the pivot is super important because it helps you change direction. So I've entitled the message this morning, Turn to God, a lifestyle, not an event. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much that we can come together and worship you. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your kindness. And as we study your word today, God, I pray that we hear what you want us to hear. I pray that we see what you want us to see. And Father, I pray that you, you help us to not just fill our minds with more things, but that it translates and it moves down to our hearts and that it comes out of our actions and our attitudes. God, we love you and we thank you again. We pray all of this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we make choices every single day about what, what direction we are going to go in physically as well as spiritually. You know, and you and I can choose to turn toward God or we can choose to turn towards sin for our happiness, for our confidence, 
for our esteem, for our joy, and even for our meaning in life. Now, the book of Acts is an amazing book because it teaches us something that's really important to remember is that refreshment, being refreshed internally, comes when you and I turn to God. Acts chapter 3, verse 19 and 20 says, Repent then and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that, you may, that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. You know, as this scripture says, true repentance, true change includes turning to God. So what does that mean? You know, if you look back at your life, you can probably see choices that you made that were, that were the spiritual equivalent of turning the wrong way on a one-way street. Maybe you made choices to turn to sin that had a painful impact on yourself and on the people around you. We can go back in time. I'm sorry, we can't go back in time to change the things that we've done. But we can decide that we need God's help and we can decide to turn to him going forward and literally we can be different people. See, this is what turning to God is all about. I remember as a 20-year-old studying the Bible at NJIT, not understanding something very simple. My actions, my attitude, and my sin literally crucified Jesus Christ. I did not understand that. I thought Jesus died for everybody. I thought, hey, you know, that's why he came. What I did not understand was that I was responsible for what happened to that man. That the lies, the immorality, the cheating, the deceit, that's why he had to die. Did not get that. And I grew up going to church, reading the Bible and all of that. Didn't understand that until some disciples came into my life and explained what that all meant. And you know, it changed my mind. I started to look at life very, very different because now I realized something. What I did really affected people. Even though I may have not seen the you know, effect of it, it was impacting people. But more than that, it was impacting this God who said that he loved me and showed how much he was willing to sacrifice for me. When we turn to God 
He fills us up with things that not only satisfy us, but that are good for us. Psalms 107 verse 9. He satisfies those who are thirsty. He fills those who are hungry with good things. See, when we choose to turn to God, he's able to give us everything that we need for our lives. Second Peter 1 verse 3, he says, God's power has given us everything we need to lead a godly life. All of this has come to us because we know that uh, because we know the God who chose us. He has chosen us because of his own glory and goodness. You know, I was telling the uh, teachers earlier, I said, you know, I changed so drastically that my girlfriend thought that they put something in the water when I got baptized. She was like, he has lost his mind. And I thought about that more and more, and I thought, no, 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 I was just thirsty. I was tired. And I had had enough of the way I was living by the age of 20. That's why it was so drastic, because the brother needed a break. His life was out of control. But to the world and to the people around him, oh, he's doing great. He's in college. He's such a nice young man. I remember turning to God and reading the Bible and understanding what I was reading. Mesmerizing, powerful. I remember turning to God in prayer and really talking to him and being honest and open and talking about what was really going on in my mind and what I really believed. And that, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray my Lord this all, you know, these prayers that we pray or you've been taught and it really doesn't mean anything. And when I seen God start to answer these prayers, when I seen God start to change the inside stuff, it just fueled me. Now I'm reading my Bible on my own because God is real. God is alive. And I found him. You know, you may be feeling a similar way today. You may be feeling like, you know, I've been doing the same things over and over. It's not getting better, but I don't know if I can change. Well, amen. You are in the right place this morning. You may have, you may be a Christian and you, you know, things have just gotten a little stale, let's just say. <laughs> and you're not as excited as you were when you first started. And, and you're just feeling kind of like, I'm in a rut. I, 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 gotta, I gotta change. I, I gotta do something different. Well, amen, you are in the right place because we can all turn to God. And we can learn to do this over and over as a lifestyle and not 
a one-time event. So I want to talk about three qualities that we can develop that keep us looking for God's influence in our lives, okay? I want to talk about three qualities this morning. And, you know, the beauty of this is that when you live this way, you are never going to be stuck. You're going to continue to grow and to mature or to understand yourself better so that you can get what you need. So the first thing is be moldable. Be moldable. Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 3 through 6. This is the NET version. It says, so I went down to the potter's house and found him working at, the, at his will. Now and then there would be something wrong with the pot he was molding from the uh, clay with his hands. So he would rework the clay into another kind of pot as he saw fit. Verse five, then the Lord said to me, I, the Lord say, O nation of Israel, can I not deal with you as this potter deals with the clay? In my hands, you, O nation of Israel, are just like the clay in the potter's hand. Another scripture, Isaiah 45, verse 9. Look at these people. They are arguing with the one who made them. Look at them argue with me. They are like pieces of clay from a broken pot. Clay doesn't, doesn't say to the one molding it, man, what are you doing? Things that are made don't have the power to question the one who makes them. If you are going to have a relationship with God, there's going to be some molding that's involved. See, like pliable clay that a potter could use is how God's going to work with you and with me. Being moldable means that you let God guide you in who you will become. You know, this definition of moldable is capable of being shaped, bent, or drawn out as by hammering, let me say that again, hammering or pressure. In other words, when you are moldable, you are flexible and adaptable. If things are going to go, if I'm sorry, if things aren't going your way, you don't get mad and say, what in the world are you doing? No, you adjust. Are you with me? Being flexible and moldable helps us turn to God. God molds us to prepare us for something. And something even greater than what you and I could ever imagine. I go to the barbershop every Friday, sometimes Thursday, if something is going on on Friday. I sit in the chair 
And my boy, Frank, who's my barber, and he's Dominican. Give it up, DR. Amen. I sit in a chair, and Frank puts his hand on my head. He moves me this way. He puts my hand on my nose. He grabs my cheeks and my cheeks like that. He does what he has to do so a brother can look all right. <laughs> can you imagine sitting in the barber chair resisting the change, the change in the... That wouldn't make sense. But that's what we do sometimes with God, right? See, God wants us to be our best. He wants us to look our best. But, you know, if you don't allow him in, then the molding can't begin. The Bible talks about how God has plans for us. The Bible talks about how God wants to train us, that God has a vision for who we can become. When you believe the scriptures, then guess what? You're going to allow those things, that molding to happen. See, this isn't something that just happens when you initially become a Christian. Boy, I tell you, growing up and becoming a, a married man, well, there's some molding going on there. And then when the little people come, there is some real molding going on. And you got to continue to say, oh, Lord, okay, what we're doing here? I don't know. But I can't be inflexible. Otherwise, I'm not going to be effective. When we are inflexible and we don't want to let God hammer out of us, maybe some pride or some bitterness or deceit that we cling to, you know, we end up, we end up angry and nitpicky about how God has been working in our life. But see, sometimes we don't really see it as God. We are so fixated on people that we can't see God. And God is trying to work through these people and you're like, no, I need to hear it from him. <laughs> and the reality is, it doesn't work that way. See, Paul was such an amazing example of being molded. This guy literally thought he was right in his religious thinking that Christ, killing Christians was a good thing. And boy, if you read your Bible, he was molded. 1 Corinthians 9.22, listen to this from the voice version. Paul says, I've been broken, lost, depressed, oppressed, and weak that I might find favor and gain the weak. I'm flexible, adaptable, able to do and be whatever is needed for all kinds of people so that in the end, I can use every means at my disposal to offer them 
salvation. Paul, that Pharisee, became flexible. And his flexibility made him someone who turned to God, and this is the big point, was able to help others. Let me ask you a question. Are you flexible when things don't go your way? How do you respond when things don't go your way? See, God wants to mold us because he's got something in mind that we can't see. But if we don't stay moldable, we don't stay in that understanding, he's the potter, I'm the clay, then we can get it all mixed up. Amen? Another quality, be changeable. Mark, Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. And this is in the Amplified Version. It says, as for me, I baptize with water because of your repentance. That is, because you are willing to change your inner self, your old way of thinking. Regret your sin and live a changed life. But he, the Messiah, who is coming after me, is mightier, more powerful, more noble than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to remove, even as his slave. He will baptize you, you who truly repent, with the Holy Spirit, and you who remain unrepentant with fire. <laughs> Meaning judgment, right? You know, one of the things about being a Christian a long time is that you can get into a mode that you don't like to change. And this is an important part of this quality. Be changeable, you know? You learn to think about things a certain way. You learn to study the Bible a certain way. If somebody deviates, the, oh, oh, nope. You didn't make that point. You didn't say this, you didn't say, and so we develop these patterns and these ways of doing things because that's just our way of thinking. And sometimes we can get stuck in rituals or habits or duties that seem well and good, but they lack sometimes that heart and inspiration that really motivates us. You know, we have to take time to really think sometimes about why am I doing what I'm doing? You know, growing up, uh, I, you know, I was born in 70. Uh, there was a, a, a group called Earth, Wind, and Fire. Okay, I, I, I'm, okay, I got some people here. But they had this song, Reasons, okay? Now, I'm not trying to sing and all of that, but that's one of the best songs in the world because when you have the right reasons, everything else flows, okay? So we have to continue to look at our reasons for why we do what we do. You know, I, I've found there the three reasons that people don't want to change. Number one, People change, uh, pe or, or, or why people don't want to change is they, they, um, 
they don't want to change. <laughs> I just don't want to change. I'm comfortable doing it the way I've been doing it, and I don't want to change. So that's change resistance. Then you got change fatigue, right? And that's just, I'm tired of changing. We did it this week, this way. Now, next week, we're doing it the other way. We move it over here. We're doing all that. And you get change fatigue. Can we just get some consistency for a minute here? And then you got change unbelief. You know what that is, right? That's when you get to a point where you don't believe that you can change. Now, this may sound silly, but this is something I'm dealing with. You know, I think about how I became a Christian. Man, I changed major things in my life and as a young man. And I find myself, you know, coming up on 53 next week. Amen. You know what I'm having a hard time changing? When I go to the movies, I got to have a number one, which is a large popcorn and a fountain drink. I've tried to go to the movies and not do that. And then something happens. And I'm like, sitting in my chair, and I get up. I got I to gotta have it. And then I'm waltzing on in there. Let me get a number one. You know, walk back on in and, you know. And I'm like, Lord, what is wrong with me? I'm having a hard time not eating popcorn when I go to the movies. And I realized that I associate popcorn with the movies. So you don't go to the movies and not eat popcorn. There's something wrong with that. But the, the reality was, no, 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 man. This, this is a self-control thing. You can change it, you don't have to. So I remember doing it. And I, instead of, you know, popcorn, I had coffee. And I made it through the movies and I was like, Hallelujah. Oh, I made it through a movie without popcorn. And I just thought, our minds play tricks on us. And we can literally believe something that stupid. Of course you can change. You know, God says this in Ezekiel 18. Verse 30, he says, therefore, I judge you, O house of Israel, each one in accordance with his conduct, says the Lord God. Repent, change your way of thinking and turning away from all your transgressions so that sin may not become a stumbling block for you. See, the first thing we got to continually do is change our minds. Recognizing this, God knows better. His way is right over my thoughts, over my opinions, especially over my feelings. And the second thing is we must be willing to change, right? Changing our lives means coming back to God 
because of who he is. See, he's kind. He's merciful. He's patient. And the thing I love more than anything is he wants to bless me. <laughs> Why would I not come to him? Why would I not be motivated by him? But you know what motivates you, right? Is when you go to the doctors and you find out you got high blood pressure or you got diabetes or something. And now you have to change or you may not be here for the next 10 years. You know, God is patient. And again, I'm using an extreme example, but really on a serious note, when we understand who God is, it should motivate us to not only want to change, but to continually turn to him. Let me ask you a question. Which do you have a harder time changing? Is it your thoughts or is it your life? What's, what's harder for you? Because the answer to that question is going to help you realize, okay, this is part of my issue. I got to continue to keep dealing with my mind because, you know, once I get into a little rhythm, we can, we can do something here. So how can you decide to turn to God to help you become more changeable? How can you do that? Because he wants that, not just for you, but man, there's other people that's going to benefit from that. Last point, be influenceable. You know, Justin Bieber, you guys know him? Heard about that guy? Is known as one of the most influential social media users. And he has 37 million plus followers. You know, people with followers on social media uh, that range from 500,000 to a million followers are called macro influencers. Most influencers are micro influencers, which means that they have between 10,000 to 50,000 followers. And then the reality is that most people are nano, or not most people, but you, you have the nano influencers, which is less than a thousand followers. You know, I was thinking about this and I'm like, you know, people want to be influencers, but where in the world are you leading them to? Right? And when I think about Jesus, the quality Jesus says that we need to have to enter his kingdom. Listen to it. Matthew 18, verse 3. An amplified version. And says, truly I tell you, unless you repent, change, turn about, become like little children. And how are little children? Trusting, lowly, loving, forgiving. He says you can never enter the kingdom of heaven. See, when you and I really understand real change, we have to maintain 
a certain attitude. And that attitude is humility, is I want to keep learning. I want to keep growing. And if we have that attitude, man, we can be influenced and become all that God desires for us to be. You know, as I said before, when I played college basketball, one of the things that was a gift or a strength was being coachable. Meaning that coach could say anything to me and I wasn't going to fall apart. Now, I've been cussed out a few times. <laughs> but I didn't take it like, oh, my gosh, he was trying to get the best out of me. And again, bless his heart, that's his way of doing things, okay? But you have to allow somebody to influence you because you are being influenced by somebody. The question is, who, who is it? And what are they teaching you? You know, I, I had two big influences in my life. Uh, my Uncle Dave, who, you know, passed away a few years ago, and, uh, and my coach, Vaughn Stapleton. And, and in high school, Uncle Dave was the one that was always at the game with the video camera. That's where I get it from. Uncle Dave would be in the stands and he'd be watching and filming every game and he wouldn't say anything. And he kept on it and it was just like, boom. You know, Uncle Dave passed away a few years ago. He gave me, a, a, his, his wife, uh, Aunt Bet, gave me this box of like 60 videos, VHS. And I took every last one of them and converted them to digital. And sometimes I'll just go back and look. And remember, when I was about 145 pounds, <laughs> look at that dude move. <laughs> no, I don't do that. But the fact that I have that was because of him. But then realizing, man, that's how you capture memories. That's why I take a lot of pictures, because Uncle Dave. And then there was Coach Stapleton. He was, a, uh, he was a geology teacher. Uh, he was German. And Coach simply loved me unconditionally. And I never forget when I met him, and I was an eighth grader, and he came to Hobstown with this, uh, his truck and his dog named Daisy, and he watched us play. And then afterwards, he had Coca-Cola and, you know, and all of this stuff. And I'm like, who is this dude? He was going to be the guy that when I went to college, he came to my practice and he sat down in the chair and he just watched. And after practice, he, Coach, what are you doing here? He's like, oh, just want to see how my boy was doing. Because Coach and his wife couldn't have children. So he kind of adopted me and my cousins and treated us like his own kids. Coach believed in me. He believed in me. You know how it is when somebody believes in you? What would you do for that person that believes in you? You run through a wall. I was so confident in Coach's love. I'd do anything for him. You know, our God, 
believes in us. And not only does he believe in us, he's got a book that he put together and maintained through years so that you and I could go back to it every single day and figure out how do I live this life? How do I treat my wife? How do I respect my husband? How do I raise these kids? How do I maintain a pure relationship? How do I live this thing called life? And he gave us the Bible. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As one piece of iron sharpens another, so friends keep each other sharp. Who do you allow to influence you? Do you get input from people about your life, your choices, and your future? The other question is this, who do you influence? Do you influence people to turn to God or to the world? See, as you and I continue on this thing called life, we're going to have to continue to keep making that decision. And it's so beautiful when you see that decision lived out. Check this out. You know, back in January, where's Jimmy at? I saw him this morning. Where's Jimmy? There he is. Jimmy made Jesus Lord of his life in January, right? There's Alex. Grew up in the church. Mom was a disciple many years, and he became a Christian in his late 20s. Parents, keep the hope. It's not over. Michael made Jesus Lord. He is a co-worker of Lisa Stewart. Lisa reached out to him, and then he left, went to another company, and they stayed friends. And then Rick Soto happened to befriend him study the Bible with him, along with the brothers down in, in the shore ministry. And Michael made Jesus Lord in March of 2023. Now, this is my favorite right here. In the last six months here in New Jersey, there has been four families, sorry, five families, that now have become kind of like eligible to be elders in the church. Now, this is awesome because, and you know, I'm not, and if you guys, I'm not about, oh, we got to have this position. No, 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 no. When all your kids become disciples and you have a character, a, a, a uh, an imitatable life, you qualify to serve in a certain role in God's kingdom. And so, you know, last week we, we saw Nada uh, and, and Danny's youngest daughter, Isabel, I'm sorry, Isabel, Bianca, 
a.k.a. Rumple, become a Christian. And then a few weeks back, we saw Sarah Wang and Cameron McGaney get baptized on the same day in different places and see the whole family come whole. You know, last November, Sam and Laura Garrison baptized their youngest daughter, Ella. She became a Christian. And then in January, uh, Margaret and Mark Persing saw their daughter, Lydia, become a Christian. Right? But here's what's interesting. These brothers and sisters, these husband and wife, they allowed themselves to be influenced. That help trickle down to their kids. And guys, we got to remember that's never changing because we are always changing and we're going to need help in our 60s and in our 70s that we haven't arrived just because we're older. That we got to learn and keep growing. See, today you have a choice and you have an opportunity to turn to God. And I want to encourage us to remember, man, we're in this battle called life. And God has an amazing plan. Choosing to be moldable, changeable, and influenceable each day helps you and I stay close to God instead of drifting far from him. We can all make the choice every day to turn to God and let him mold us and let him shape us. And when you and I do that, we will experience real change. And to God be the glory. Amen.